This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, have you heard about the new ASE L4 ADAS certification? Well, this test has been in development since January 2020 with the help of industry experts. From the Aftermarket Radio Network, how are you? It's Carm Capriato practicing my mission to advance the aftermarket. My guests, Matt Schipanek, Matt Howe, and Keith Perkins say the certification is going to be a major differentiating factor when hiring technicians. We all know the best technicians are the ones constantly learning and training. So stick around for an inside look into the test development and tips on how to pass the test. Thanks to our partner, Napa, for providing you this episode. You know, accomplish more, start now. That's the motto of Repair Shop of Tomorrow, a Napa Auto Care exclusively endorsed vendor. RSOT will look at productivity, efficiencies, effective labor rate, average hours per car, labor profit percent, measure and manage labor, and how you create net profit. Interested in Repair Shop of Tomorrow? I'm sure you are. Call 440-545-1230, 440-545-1230 for a free 20-minute, no-obligation consultation, or contact your servicing Napa Auto Parts store. Hey, it's Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio. Uh, guys, I am so honored to have my panel of three on with me. Uh, we've done so much with ASE in the past. It seems like uh, every time something really cool uh, I read about or comes out, you know, I've got to call my my friend uh, Chris Sheratory, and I says, "Listen, I got this great idea. I want to do, I, I want to talk about the new ADAS test." And uh, wow, within a couple of days, we pulled this thing together. And I'm not sure if the whole world knows about that yet. I'm sure the people that are connected and are doing ADAS figured it out. It's the L4 certification. And with me is Matt Shaponik, VP of Credential Testing Programs and the president of ATMC, the Automotive Training Managers Council. Uh, glad to have you here. Can't wait to hear uh, what you're going to talk about, Matt. Carm, I really appreciate you guys having us on. I, um, as I mentioned earlier, I had just started with ASC back in February and wanted to kind of get the word out about this new test that we have on ADAS. And you know, fortunately, we have uh, Keith Perkins, who is one of our subject matter experts, who helped with the development of this. And then uh, Matt Howe, who uh, was the lead on the project. So they, they did all the heavy lifting on this and got this thing out. Uh, we launched a test on uh, May 17th. You know, we're just trying to get the word out and get people to uh, go ahead and, and take this because uh, there's a lot of good information in it. And it's a, you know, brand new credential. And, you know, we see these systems, you know, it started out like 10, 11, 12 years ago. It was mostly in higher end luxury cars. The ADAS uh, system started coming into, uh, you know, various vehicles. But now it's pretty much across the market. All the OEs have have these systems in their car. So it's it's pretty much everywhere in the industry right now. Well, thank you very much, Matt, for the introduction of both Keith Perkins and Matt Howe. They have a huge resume, each of them. Keith is from uh, L1 Diagnostics, and he also has a training company. And uh, L1 Automotive Training uh, on the web at l1training.com. Uh, Keith's been on before, great contributor of the show. Uh, we've actually done a tour of his shop and, and his vans. So, Keith, did you get a phone call or did you call ASE and says, hey, let's do this thing and I, and I need to help you? I actually got a uh, phone call part of the way in. So they had already started the process, had a lot of OEs involved, a lot of others involved part of the way through. I'm not sure if it was a staffing issue or what, but they were like, hey, we need we need more people. So I was uh, 
glad to, to help out. Matt may have more insight into that and how that happened. We're going to give you uh, ideas of, of really how, how a test is formulated. What, what I find so interesting, guys, is that the current test in its current form right now has a lot more questions than the, the test that will actually come out. And I'm not saying that the real test, but you've got to be able to find out how many questions are right and what works. I'm infatuated with a composite vehicle. I just can't wait to hear about all of this stuff. So who wants to start, Matt Haw? Part of the reason we got him involved was we always need different eyes looking at the content we're creating. If we keep the same 15 guys, then we kind of get blind to what we're doing. So um, we always rotate people around. So Keith was a good addition to the team. So when you're talking about... Um, the pilot test that we launched back in May, we include 80 questions on that test. And the reason we have to do that is there's no statistics for any of the questions on the test. So we don't have a way to judge what is uh, a good question compared to what might not be a, a good question. And we have no way to judge the difficulty, whether it's an easy question, a hard question, or one right down the middle. So the only way for us to get those statistics is for uh, candidates to actually see the question, take the test, and, and see what the outcome is. So let me understand something. Is is it a hard question? Is it an easy question? Is it down the middle? In the final 40 questions, are you looking for the current 80 to cream hard to middle? We need a good mix. So most of the questions are going to fall right down the middle. Then we also need some hard questions to differentiate the candidates that know what they're doing compared to the ones that don't. And then we need some easy questions. Keith, the industry needs this, don't they? Yeah, more so than we've needed to test in my entire history of working in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Or needed a certification level or needed awareness of a subject, right? That's just, just overall awareness. And I think ASE does a really good job of representing that because it's our only certification process. It's recognized, you know, nationally, individually. You can ask a, a, a consumer, a driver, what do they know about the automotive industry? What do they look for when they're looking for a shop? What things uh, set shops apart? And typically ASE comes up in the conversation. So makes for a good platform. Guys, could this be a differentiator moving forward? You know, we've had ASC for 50 years, but yet, does every shop owner say you need to be ASC, you know, A1 through A9 certified before I hire you, or I'll bring you on board, but you need to qualify in a certain amount of time? To the consumer, we only hired ASC certified, you know, technicians, mechanics. It's almost like L4 needs to set a precedent a required precedent. If you want to work on these vehicles, you got to go get your L4. I'd like to comment on that, Carm. So, I mean, I think it's one of those things that by having this credential out here, it'll help drive people to learn more about these systems. You know, if they're working on them, they've got to, you know, take the training and make the investment to go ahead and get up to speed because these, this test was developed. It actually started over two years ago. You know, it had a team of industry, you know, uh, experts in this, you know, working to develop the tests. And, you know, that's one of the things that I think is kind of a misconception a lot of times is what goes on behind the curtain with ASC. I mean, it's not ASC test developers sitting there writing these questions. I mean, they help facilitate these workshops with the industry experts and they come up with these questions. So it's really the industry that's, that's designing these questions and, and building these tests. And it should be the industry that should put, this is going to be a sound crazy, guys, some policing inside of what we do for the sake of our client and talk about safety more important than you know we want to do safety and reliability that's why i'm here and service your car mr client but that word safety to me is going to be probably the biggest word we have to worry about 
you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of liability. Also, you take a modern car and there's there's nothing you can touch on a modern car that doesn't affect the safety systems, the ADAS systems on a, on a modern car. So technicians really have to be aware of, of what's on the car and aware of, of the different service considerations that might be included with with uh, touching different systems on a car. Well, enough of me being on my soapbox, <laughs> but every once <laughs> in a while, I, I do like to get up and on it. So uh, May 17th, it launched and 80 questions, and it doesn't cost a whole ton of money to take the test. And do you have to go to a test center, right, Matt? Right. It's available at all the Prometric uh, test centers. Can you tell us how many went through to start? And how did you promote it? How did you get people to to show up? Right. Well, we're still working on that. We've got um, a marketing campaign that just went out the other week. Um, So everybody that was qualified to go ahead and take this test should have received a postcard. We've been working on some social media to get it out there, get the word out, get as many people as we can taking this test. Part of the process doing this is uh, we're going to run in August, we're going to bring the folks that helped us develop the test and we're going to run a uh, uh, what we call a pass score uh, study where we'll go through each individual test question and we'll kind of uh, rate them. It's actually the first time I'm going to be going through this entire process, but uh, it'll help us determine what the actual score of the test will be. So right now, these folks that are taking the test uh, early on, they will get the 80 questions but they will not receive a score. They're going to go ahead and get a certificate of completion uh, that they completed the test. And then once we have this meeting in August, we'll go back and all the people that have taken it will get scored and it'll show up in their MyASE, you know, on the website. They'll be able to go ahead and see what their actual score was on it. Well, that's interesting. So if I took the test in the beginning, I took all 80, I get a certificate of completion, not a certified L4, but a completion. And then I get a chance to take it again with the if you will, final first round 40 questions? It'll kind of look, you know, whatever you, when you took the test, it's basically going to, once we have this meeting in August and we determine what that passing score is, it'll go ahead and we'll put it into the system and then it'll score all the tests and these people will get their their actual score on the test. When will the final 40, sometime in August? Later in the fall. We probably expect sometime in September, maybe early October. And then folks won't get that certificate of completion. They'll just get their score. Hey, Carm here. Just to let you know that Napa Auto Care was top rated in a national survey by consumers of car repair in the chains and independent repair shops category. Ratings were based on courtesy, timeliness, quality, price of repair, and percent of times the problem was fixed on the first visit. Napa Auto Care is the only banner program to make these ratings. Consumers are familiar with the Napa Auto Care brand, and you can benefit. Napa Auto Care has the largest network of independent professional shops in North America with over 17,000 locations. Your independent repair facility can join this network and be supported through Napa's national marketing through the already successful Know How for All campaign, which promotes auto care-specific offerings. You also get support to promote your local repair facility with targeted media in local markets and in proven channels. You can also utilize a full calendar year of promotions with Napa Auto Care sales driver promotions that are 100% fully funded by Napa. And this includes free email marketing, digital and print point of sale materials. Also connect a national presence by co-branding your locally known brand with the nationally recognized Napa brand. Also partner with Napa Smart Sign to educate customers with engaging video that tell the why behind the needed repair or service. You can access editable digital menu boards, template builder tools, social media feeds, and integrations with other auto care program elements. 
Also offer a credit solution to customers with Napa Easy Pay Consumer Financing. Stay top of mind with your business name embossed on the credit card. Also have an online presence when consumers search for a local repair facility on Napa Online, which generates millions of views per month at no additional cost. Hey, if you're interested in partnering with Napa Auto Care and capitalizing on the Napa know-how for all national marketing campaign, contact your salesperson or servicing Napa Auto Parts store. I find this discussion that we're having right now so timely. You know how fast life goes by. It's the summer for most of us, and we want to plan. I think for all the shop owners that are listening, for all the techs that are listening, and the way we can get the word out is ASE's working their butt off to make this happen. They're doing everything right. I can't wait to talk about the composite vehicle. That sounds really cool. Isn't that the first time this is ever being done? No, we have uh, composite vehicles for L1 and L2, which are gasoline engine performance and then uh, light duty diesel. Similar concept. So we can get excited about the fall test coming out for the L4. Keith, did you have any involvement in that uh, composite vehicle? Yeah, so I came in a little bit later, like we were talking about, but the composite vehicle changed, God, almost every day, right? Like we were constantly changing things, putting things in, taking them out up until the very last moment. And I'm sure I think we're probably still editorial-wise, probably some review on that at some point, if it's not already completed. So it was, it was constantly moving. It was a target that was... And I remember it got really massive at one point. <laughs> it had to shrink down. I can't imagine, guys, that if you had a bunch of OE people in that room, how complicated it could have gotten. No doubt. When we start, you know, we start with blank paper. We don't have anything to go by. So we get a, a group of, you know, 15, 20 guys in the room. And some of those are manufacturer representatives. And then we have aftermarket representatives like Keith. And we have to take everybody's systems and figure out a way that all of those systems can work together without looking like one person's system. So we take everybody's technology, try to combine it together. Like Keith was saying, when we basically got done developing the composite vehicle for very near the end. It was probably a, about 100 pages. So we had everything from your base 8S components like radar and cameras, but then we also had automatic headlights, we had automatic wipers. Um, we had doors that, that wouldn't open if, if there was cross traffic coming by, things like that. We realized that this is going to be way too difficult for a candidate to sit in a test center for three hours and get through a 100-page book. It would be very time-consuming. So we worked further and uh, whittled it down to just the core of, of ADAS, things like, like I said, like radar, cameras, ultrasonic systems, got down to the core of ADAS. So we'll be able to have a, a test that, that technicians are comfortable completing in, in the three hours that they're sitting in a test center. So the final test, I think some of the data that you sent me will have um, the fall, 50 questions, two hour limit? That's correct. So it, it'll be... 40 questions that have already been pre-tested. So we'll take 40 questions out of the 80 questions that we're basically pre-testing right now on this pilot. And then we'll also include 10 pre-test questions uh, scrambled in there so that we can continue compiling stats on, on new questions so we can rotate through questions on the test forms as we move forward. That is so smart to have 10 in there randomly that you're, that will not be scored but will be used for future? Correct. They're not scored on, on the form that the technicians have taken on the test. Technicians will be taken in the test center. But if those questions come back with good usable stats, we find out that they're a great question. Then we add those to new tests as we, as we publish moving forward. Help me understand usable stats. It's a very complicated process. Um, <laughs> so it's it's really hard to explain without showing you on, on paper. Wait a minute. You need a PowerPoint and a whiteboard. 
Exactly. And we need all these brainiac people in there talking about demographics and this and that, right? There's formulas, 10 pages long of stats that come back. But basically what they do is take a test question. And if the difficulty comes back, say right down the middle, it's not super difficult. It's not super easy. Then that question is considered good difficulty wise. But then we also look at other factors. My best understanding I use to explain it all the time is a technician that passes the test, other known good questions with a high level of, of accuracy. Did that technician miss this question? And did they all miss it with the same distractor? Wrong answer, right? So that's a level of statistic that's given by looking at that. Oh, is this a good question? Is this a bad question? Maybe there is a misrepresented answer, or maybe the test was written, the question was written in a way that uh, it may actually have two possible right answers, which is very rare, right? We get like a bunch of people in there looking at these test questions. We try to destroy them. Like that's how I explain it to people. When we look at other questions people have written, we all try to destroy that question. Like, is it completely solid, right? So the, I think the statistics to me, I feel like they're looking at people that pass have gotten this question correct at the same level and people that have failed with this type of question or these types of questions miss this one to give it a representation of its difficulty and then if it's a good or bad question. Subject matter expert job? No, no, I've done, uh, I think 2015 was my first one. I think it was the A1, yeah, the A1 test back in 2015. And I had an opportunity many, 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 many years ago to be there and to be a subject matter expert. And I was fascinated. Actually, I was almost like sitting there saying, wow, I can't believe all that, that we go through. We were just trying to break questions. And, and why did half the room come up with the answer? Two different answers and you just go back and rehash it. So it's way more, if you will, scientific and or sophisticated than I think the world knows. Karma, I mean, as somebody who just started here in February, when I got to see behind the curtain and see all the work that these test developers do, there is a lot more than meets the eye. And you really appreciate the work that goes into developing these tests, you know, with the industry expert. There is just a ton of work that goes into it. I do want to add one thing about the composite vehicle, though, so the technicians out there that are going to be taking this test are aware. It's a really good idea to go ahead and download this composite vehicle. They can get it right off the website and kind of study it before you go into a test center because I want to say it's about 35, 40 pages and just get familiar with the way it's laid out, how the information's presented, where the schematics are, all of that kind of stuff. Because once you go into the test center, you're not going to be able to bring a printed copy of that composite vehicle in. It's actually going to live on the computer that you're going to be taking the test on as a PDF file. And so you'll be able to toggle, you'll get to a test question that'll require it and you'll be able to turn the composite vehicle uh, PDF file on and then go ahead and look things up. So it's a good idea to get familiar with it beforehand, at least so you know where the information is. And then when you get a question that requires it, you'll be able to quickly refer to it. I just wanted to make sure that technicians looking to take this test were aware of that. That's the big difference between the, the layout of the L1 and the L2 compared to L4. The L1 and L2 tests, you actually have a paper composite vehicle booklet in front of you in a test center. When we started developing L4, one of the big goals was to include the composite vehicle on the on the testing interface in the test centers instead of having a paper booklet. So that was a, a big challenge for us, and it, it seems to have worked out pretty well. Like Matt was saying, it's a big help if you download the composite vehicle, study that up front, download the test information booklet, which is our study guide that we produce download those two documents, be very familiar with, with all the information in those two documents, and you should be good to go when you show up to a test center. Well, Matt Haw, who was just speaking, if you're listening through audio, you got one hell of a resume, Matt. Yeah, well, you know, I 
Back when I was a kid, you know, if we broke something, we had to fix it. Not like the kids today where they just go out and buy a new one. So, you know, my whole life I've been fixing stuff. So I got real lucky in, in high school where I had a really good automotive teacher that was was a great inspiration. I actually got a scholarship to Lincoln Tech. So I went to Lincoln Tech, got my certificate from Lincoln Tech and jumped into the industry when I was 20 years old. Worked in pretty much every aspect of the automotive industry for 25 years. Um, I was a subject matter expert contracting with ASC kind of like what Keith is doing, being local to the ASC offices. I, they offered me a job, so I've been there for getting close to the last 10 years. You know, I find it fascinating to hear from uh, Matt Ha uh, explain, my God, I fixed everything. I went to Lincoln Tech, 25 years in the business. You, by the way, you're with ASC for nine years. And having someone realize that if they're a technician today, what else could they do in the industry? And I know people that have groomed to directors of training at major companies. It's one of these things. I'm not in a job that I'm going to be a technician forever. You know, please put your flag up and out there and please tell people that, you know, you're interested because, you know, Matt, like you say, 25 years ago and, you know, you're not going to work forever. And so we need to find the young people that are going to move up through the ranks. So opportunities, uh, I think, are huge in our industry and people can go really, really far. I want to tell our listener that Matt Haw manages A1, A2, A3, A7, A9, T1, L4 now. And uh, test publication operations. You got to, I think, do you do more than Matt? <laughs> I'd like to think so. We have to be very well-rounded. That was a, a big advantage when uh, I took over the position I did at ASC. You know, I wasn't just somebody that could turn wrenches. I was also very well-versed in, in computers and technology. So it, it's been a huge help with my advancement at, at ASC, um, especially, you know, in the world we live in today with once COVID hit, um, I was already ahead of the game and didn't have issues with technology working from home, running Teams meeting, Zoom meetings, things like this. So it's been a huge advantage. So guys, why have a requirement of A6? I mean, I think I know the answer to that, but I'd love to hear yours. We want to make sure that that technicians are, are solid and electrical. Nothing on a car today that, that's not electrical. On our brakes test, you have a ton of electronics. If you're going to take the L4 test, we want to make sure that, that you have a good solid basis in, in electronics. There's also the opportunity to... Uh, take the B5 test, which is on, on the collision side, which is a me mechanical electrical test on the collision side so that collision industry will have a, have a way into uh, taking the L4. So there's a ADAS test centers or I'm sorry, ADAS calibration centers going up. Uh, people are investing them. Uh, there's a lot of mobile. It's time. Like I said a little earlier, speak to the industry about if you're going to hire somebody and they, they're not a master, which means they don't have their A6 or they have their A6. Let's set down the standards that I think we should be having going forward now that a couple of years in, right? I think you guys, Matt, started this test a couple of years ago, or at least the foundation of doing the test, realizing how important it was. And now it's out. It's in its raw form. It'll be final this fall. But Keith, let's talk to the industry about the power and the value of this. Obviously, there's huge value in it and that it's voluntary. That's a big part of it. But the misconception is, especially when people hear the word master, is that it means that they're done, right? They've achieved the certification level and then everyone high fives and we never have to worry about anything again because we're certified. And I think ASC has represented well, at least when, when communicated with, but they don't have a massive, you know, when's the last time you saw an ASC commercial, right? They don't do that. That's not their job. That's not at all. As the industry, we're supposed to represent this certification process. We're supposed to present that. We're supposed to show to our customer that helps set us apart, right? They're just a certification 
organization. I say just no offense to either the Mets or anything about that, (laughs) but that's their job. They're not supposed to be out there making commercials and getting people to come in. So as an industry, we kind of need to grab onto ASCs and, and to step back to what I said, we think that sometimes that level of master that's been achieved is just means that like you're a complete master. There's nothing you could be taught or anything. And it's just, it's not the case. It means you've mastered the foundational understanding of all of these systems. You've got a solid foundation to start with. It's going to be difficult for you not to be able to understand how a system operates because you can do that. And we hear that all the time from, from technicians. Oh, I knew a master tech that couldn't fix a sandwich and on and on and on and all the other stereotypes you've heard. Those typically come from someone who doesn't have the ability to pass the test themselves or someone who has had a bad experience with that. Some of us, myself included, have, and Matt and I have talked about this a couple of times, we have difficult with reading comprehension. Like I have to read a question a bunch of times over and over and over again. And that's just a challenge I have to deal with. So we hear that excuse from people like that. But for me, as a, as a shop owner first, I was real big on ASCs because it represented something. I've taken that initiative to go forward and show, and it showed the people that I work for and individuals that this is voluntary. It's got a lot of power that I took these tests myself. Most of the time, pretty much every one of them I paid for out of my own pocket in the very beginning. I didn't work for places that paid for them. For me, it was huge. I hate to use the word pride because it's not something I try to go for. It displayed a level of competency that I invested in myself to do that. And now as a shop owner, it's required. I mean, I Matt was there, I'm pretty sure at the time, and somebody had asked, why the name L1 Automotive, right? It's pretty obvious. That's a level of certification from ASE. So from the beginning, inadvertently, I was constantly, I used that when I started the company. And when I started the company as a mobile, as an individual who went shop to shop only, not working for individuals and repairing vehicles that were the difficult to repair ones, having the name L1 represented something to those individuals in the industry that understood. So, all right, so this is, I hope he's got that. I hope it's not just a name, but you know, at that point, it meant something to individuals in the industry. And with the ADOS test specifically, I feel like there's a lot less information in the industry about this. Uh, I taught last week, probably the largest automotive repair corporation in the country, maybe in the world, probably. I can't name them, obviously. I was teaching a class about brakes. Okay? It was just a foundational brake with their B-level and C-level and starting out technicians. So they're intermediate to lower level technicians. And ADOS was something that uh, not a single person in the room of 25 was aware existed or interacted with the brake system. So these are individuals that had experience in the industry dating back as far as, as 15, 16 years, all the way to people who are brand new to the industry and they are getting the same level of information. So ADOS is something that having the certification level is going to be a major differentiating factor for me when I look at candidates or I look at places that I would suggest to other people. And if they're saying, hey, I'm looking to get this job done around me, I see, you know, I have an internet presence. So I get emails from people all over the country looking for a place to get their vehicle repaired. And ASC is a dividing factor. It's the first level of entry for me for deciding if I'm going to recommend they go there or not. Do they have ASC certified technicians? The answer is no, none of them. It's really difficult for me to have any level of judgment of how different they are from another shop down the road. For me, it's that dividing factor. It's that first level of entry. If you can't at least meet this minimum specification, there's another conversation we have to have. I weigh it very heavily. It's good to have a guy like Keith speaking for you guys, huh? <laughs> Definitely. He said a couple of key words that I wrote down. One of them was voluntary. But why don't we, as owners, Keith, make it required? It is. It is actually in our employment contract at my company that you are to meet at least an L1 within one year of employment. 
That's the name of our company. It's heavily important to me, at least, to have that minimum specification met. We do tons of continuing education and training and, you know, almost 80 hours, I think, is what we've got for instructor-led training that's actually in-person training that we have scheduled every year for all of our shop. Where our whole shop closes and goes to division every year for the entire event and tons of online training. But you have to be L1 within a year. That's a requirement. Well, that's great. You are among probably a eight, nine, ten percent of the industry that would make it a requirement. And I just want to key off on what you said. I, I think it's time for the industry to step up and take ASE for its value of being a voluntary certification program. And then thank you for saying continued training. And for example, oh, wow, I passed the L4 I'm an ADAS, you know, certified ASE specialist, <sighs> you know, brush my nails against my shirt and never go to training again. And in three days coming up, there's new technology coming out that you've got to go and learn about. In three weeks, you already it eclipsed what you've known in the last year. And so, which is why continuous ASE certifications to maintain your certifications, this would probably be too complicated to put in the renewal app, wouldn't it, Matt? We haven't talked about, you know, the plans on the ADAS and the renewal app. I mean, we're just, we're focused on getting the test out in traditional format. What did I miss, guys? What should we uh, keep talking about here? I mean, I'd just like to add something to what Keith said. I mean, the best technicians out there are constantly learning new things because the cars are advancing at such a quick pace right now. Even with these ADAS systems, I think over the two years that they were in development building this thing, things changed. You know, I mean, I remember when I came in in February and I started looking at the composite vehicle, we found little things. I questioned it and talked to Matt about it, and it's advancing at such a rapid pace. Personally, I feel like we'll probably have to look at this thing in the next year, two years, and probably have to make some changes to it just because the systems are advancing. So in order for technicians to be working on these systems, they have to stay on top of it, and that's really key. I think that having a voluntary credential out there that proves that you have this knowledge is, is valuable. And I use that example of why we have to do that in our shop, not as a look at us, more of a, that's a requirement for us to just be able to still do our job correctly. It's difficult. I often get asked from shops all the time, like, hey, how do I start doing what you're doing and adding it into my shop? And sometimes the answer is you're going to have to identify an individual and invest in them because this is something they have to be immersed into. It's not something you can just add. So we're going to sprinkle some ADOS knowledge on top of this tech, my A-tech, and he's going to be the guy. He's going to have to be immersed in the information and constantly be keeping up with it. And that's more than what someone who also does all of the suspension work and all the other stuff can do. It's, you know, we always talk about specializing. I'm semi against it. I like to have my shop, anyone come to my shop and be able to, we can do anything for them. But at the end of the day, it's not feasible. I have to have some level of specialization for us. Otherwise, we can't keep up. It's too much. There's so much changing in the industry. So who rang the doorbell at ASE and said, hey, you guys got to create this test? Industry stakeholders. So whether it was manufacturers, uh, training providers, technicians, um, pretty much everybody was coming to us, you know, over the last five years saying we need something ADAS related. Insurance companies get involved to kind of ring your doorbell? They do, but they're looking for a way to prove that the technicians that are doing insurance repairs are competent. So they've been asking a a lot for some sort of certification. They go through other routes before it comes to us, but it gets to us. I can imagine someday that the insurance company uh, will, will only bless a collision operation if there isn't an L4 who's doing ADAS work. 
I mean, because there's there's a minimum standard, as we always talk about, right? And Keith can talk about this a little bit, too, is that's what's kind of unusual about L4. It's basically our, our first test that has crossed over from the automotive industry to the, to the collision industry. Um, and then there's also the niche industry of the companies that are out there only doing calibrations. So we tried to create a test that would cover all aspects of the industry, you know, and uh, again, uh, add another one onto that. You, you've got the glass industry um, that has to be able to do their calibrations when they're done. So we did our best efforts to balance um, all the industries together to come up with one test. Was always easy. <laughs> you know, Keith, to Matt's point, it's so interesting about this meshing between insurance and mechanical. Don't ask me why, but thank you guys, because it, it really just hit me now. It's almost like insurance know, knew they needed to do it, but the mechanicals said, well, I've, I've got to have this stuff for some of the stuff. You know, here comes this vehicle that got hit and I can't align it the right way. And how many uh, mechanical centers were doing work for the collision industry coming over. And is the insurance company policing that end if they sublet it out? Interesting think. I'm going to try to stay off of my soapbox and not turn this dark. <laughs> no, please. I love when you do that. But both Matt's know kind of where my thought process is going on this. When, when you say that and how I lit up a little bit, I would urge anyone that's interested to maybe join some of the Facebook groups that involve the words ADOS calibration technicians or ADOS calibration techs or ADOS techs and just scroll through the questions from some people that are in maybe not immersed into the full vehicle experience and full vehicle thought process like we are. Some of us are. There are a lot of people in the industry that may come from those specialized portions, whether it be collision or glass or whatever, that attempted to add ADOS as I'm going to add this to what I do without the understanding that it involved all of the vehicle. I want to be able to just buy this one tool and buy this one kit that has all the things for me to press the button and get the okay, take the picture, build the insurance, everyone high fives and makes money. And you will be unpleasantly surprised at the amount of questions that are in these groups that are attempting to calibrate 2022 Honda failure. Any, any suggestions? And that is the entire amount of information that's given. And what we find a lot of times is that the thought, the word ADOS is synonymous with other parts of the industry as only a windshield related job. So we have to ask them, what calibration are you doing on which system? Uh, the windshield. Okay, is it lane departure warning or lane keep assist on that vehicle? Because it's two different ones. It's the front camera. I'm trying to calibrate. Okay, well, what failure are you getting? This, and you start asking questions and you find out that they didn't understand how the technology worked even. They're just trying to get a successful okay. So a very large percentage of them are just moving targets around to see if it works with the, just a lack of the basic understanding of what are they doing to the vehicle when they do are doing that. Anyone that truly understood that would never move a target around. I don't ever want to contribute someone doing something in the industry to knowledge, to known malice. I always refer back to ignorance more than malice. I hope to believe that the vast majority of technicians are out there just trying to fix cars. Oh, I hope my scan tool will walk me through this. Yeah, something like that. That was a big, all the non-official discussions that happened about this test that happens in those groups. When I, I would post and, and Mike Reynolds would post like, hey, here's the email that just came out from ASC about the test that we just got done doing. This is how it's going to work. There was an email that said you can start taking it now. You won't get your score until probably September. Here's how it's structured. And there was a lot of pushback. People, I don't need that. I just do windshields because they looked and saw it's required A6. Or I just do body repair. I just need to get the car out. So if I get this, doesn't mean I can, you know, and there's so much more about it. And I think I'm really happy that ASE did what they did with this test and requiring A6. And also it's not just an ADOS test. 
It's a, you understand the system. And that's might be the misconception from people that have never done ASC or anything that don't understand that this is truly about understanding the system, not about, can I press the button and get a successful calibration? It's a whole two different worlds. That was a huge hurdle when we began uh, the development of this credential. We didn't know what direction we were going to go. So we, we had a lot of push towards just having a calibration test. What we found out early on was how can a technician properly calibrate a vehicle without having every last bit of information regarding that system? You're trying to do a calibration, that calibration fails. Now what? Do you ship it to the next shop? You shouldn't have to. So that's how we, we ended up with the composite vehicle, with complete wiring diagrams, complete system operations and things of the such. So like you said uh, several times, it's a, it's a lot more complicated than what the general public believes. Wow, guys, a solid episode. Man, I, I think we laid out some passion, too. Not only do, did we find out how this test was birthed and born and, and, and developed and uh, is getting ready for its you know big launch this fall with the, the 50 questions and the composite. I love what you said, Matt, about uh, studying that uh, composite vehicle. I mean, get used to it. So when you get in there and, and you're kind of looping through it and figuring out what you are, it's not the first time you saw it. You don't have to memorize it. It's just get familiar with how the information's laid out so that when you get to a question that requires a schematic, you know where to find it, that kind of stuff. Just honored to have you guys here. Thank you so much. Come back anytime, uh, maybe this fall, see how it all's working out. And we got to try to encourage uh, everyone who's touching ADAS, Keith, to become certified with L4 and hopefully um, maybe a spike the A6 test too, because they'll need that. That's a very interesting part of this thing. Wow. Definitely. And we, we appreciate you helping us get the word out. And uh, please, if, if you're interested in taking the test, don't hesitate to take it now. It's a double length test, but you know we need technicians to go take this test so we can have the most accurate results come back so that we can produce the final product as, as the best test possible. So if you're interested in taking it and you have the time, please sign up as soon as possible. Try to get into a test center and take the test for us. Thank you. Uh, appreciate that. That was Matt Haas speaking. Uh, also with us, uh, VP of Credential Testing Programs, Matt Shaponik. And, of course, uh, Keith Perkins from L1. Thanks, man. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks, Thanks Gar. Thank you. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.